but I'll launch us. My solutions. My solutions. Hopefully we will get to solutions today. So I'm going to launch this as formally as possible. This is totally classic. This is a podcast where every week uh, me and one of my best friends uh, who have divergent or sometimes even polar opposite uh, points of view upon the same glittering diadems of cultural conflict or conflagration uh, every week. Uh, every now bi-monthly, we get together and um, talk about those things and try to figure out what commonalities we have, what divergences, which divergences are uh, legitimate, more legitimate, less legitimate, and just try to figure out a way to speak about these things in a way that doesn't essentially devolve into, um, as I was saying this morning via text, uh, the fundamental argument for most people on most issues, it seems, is the same argument, which is hilarious, which is, ah, what? What is wrong with you, essentially? Uh, so we got to move past that, folks, uh, in order to um, continue to seek uh, common ground solutions and that we be a culture of diplomacy rather than war. So my name is Brendan McNamara. And my name is Andy Swindler. And today we're asking the question. That's typically how we proceed. Uh, we're at, we ask a question, then we question the question as much as possible, try to answer the question. Uh, but that's not always uh, as simple as you would think. Um, the question today was, uh, is, is this pandemic a time machine? Let me briefly explain this thesis, because I think this is a slightly complicated question that requires um, uh, some explanation. Okay. My the this is based on a thesis of mine and something I've been playing out in the in theory in my brain for about three years and it's I think it's quite salient. Got all sorts of backup, other people exploring the same thing over time, but uh, I was very well aware of it uh, pretty early on um, and have been now as people have started pretending. We can talk about that in a moment. Pretending that pandemic is somehow over now? Question mark. I'm wildly baffled. It's March seventeenth. Happy St. Patrick's Day, and people have been talking about post-pandemic or back during the pandemic or back during COVID. I literally don't know what they're talking about. Uh, we have twice as many deaths per day than we did in July 2021, and the pandemic wasn't over then, quote unquote, was it? I don't know. Anyway, so since we're still in it, but we're getting near where a lot of people are jumping off board, caring about it. Now's the time to start an active. Uh, look back retrospective so my thesis is uh this pandemic essentially was this is my prior answer was a time machine um and how we behaved during the past three years is how we would have behaved during let's say 1930s germany or turn of the century america during jim crow or the internment of the japanese um so then all the way up really to the so the 30s through the 60s um turn of the century through the 60s uh, in the United States. Uh, there's many other corollaries, uh, obviously, with othering um, throughout history. The, uh, we could see it the Uyghurs in, the, in China. We could see it with the Hutus and the Tutsis and Rwanda, whatever. Uh, any Anytime we've othered people based on state propaganda. Um, so that's my thesis, and that's my question. Uh, and I wanted to explore that um, today uh, with Andy, because I've been checking in with myself um, my answer to this already is yes, although who knows when I get to the end, maybe I'll be like, hmm, maybe not so much. And I've been evaluating my own quote unquote performance based on precedent uh, thoughts about myself, self, self concepts, um, and how I perform based on how I thought I would perform in a situation like this, and then how I actually perform, performed. And I certainly 
uh, as the Bible says, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of the Lord. Um, I certainly uh, have sinned and fallen short of the glory uh, of my own <laughs> dreams of who I am and was as a person. Um, but anyway, that's the question. That's where we're going to begin today. Welcome to Totally Classic. All right. So I do want to offer a little disclaimer, um, but also just a reminder, uh, because, you know, there's a, a, a few people or, or, even, or even groups that might want to cancel me for even participating in such a conversation. But I'd like to remind everybody that just because Brandon and I show up to talk together and we seem to be pretty polite about it doesn't necessarily mean we 100% agree with each other's comments or perspectives or viewpoints. In fact, that's the reason we're here because we actually <laughs> disagree on so many points yeah. um, and and we're here after I don't even know what are we coming up on 30 episodes of, yeah. of you know hanging hanging through the the disagreement uh because we think that makes us stronger um yeah oh for sure so uh, you know I, I say would, that because I would say we make each I would say we, that's a general principle we meaning all of us make each other stronger yeah oh that's almost like a campaign slogan um <laughs> And I say that because this exact topic, when I attempted to bring it up in one of uh, a group I'm involved with, which is billed as a, a anarchist, you know, activist kind of kind of group, I won't go into too many details. Uh, the the mere, I mean, it wasn't even nearly as as uh, incendiary as what you said in the context of like like really connecting it to say Nazi Germany. Yeah, it, I, I, I think I just can. I just noted a group that was hosting an event that mm. that that had um, a vaccine mandate, mm. and it was an event. I really, it was something I caused that I really agree with and align with. And I was saying, well, this looks like a pretty great event, other than the vaccine segregation. Yeah. So even just that word segregation was immediately flagged in the group as as a connection point that was just off limits it was like like yeah 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 and, and so you know first of all that means a very specific and kind of narrow definition of, of segregation that it only refers to say you know pre pre-civil rights black america or, yeah you know, black yeah and white america um which is not entirely true uh, and even even within that definition I think that's what we are going into today. We're we're actually going right into that fire and saying and naming it and saying, what does that look like? Um, so that's a little bit of context from me. Mm, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, it's so interesting. I got into that. I'm a semantics dude, so I love when people bring stuff up like that. Um, and I actually got into a very extended uh, argument with someone uh, on on Twitter that uh, well, actually with one person, and it turned into about. 16 people almost at the same time. It was very fun. Uh, also, lots of insults, which is not fun, um, just unnecessary. Uh, but uh, the definition of segregation came up, which is fascinating because I I can't be mad when people do that, you know, because I do that when we've, we've had conversations about gender. And I was like, mm, okay, no, gender means sex. Like when we have the Gender Act of 1974, no one was talking about like how one dressed, acted, identified, anything, which it's just it's a, it's a synonym for sex. So at some point, very recently, you know, so wait, what new, what definition are you talking about? So people have had that with segregation with me as well. Um, and so I had looked it up very recently. So um, 
uh, Oxford, and I think both the American Heritage Dictionary say a similar thing, the policy or practice of separating people of different races, classes, or ethnic groups, as in housing, school, public, commercial facilities, especially as a form of discrimination. Uh, now, classes uh, was people were like, oh, that means economic class. Um, classes actually has a broad application. And then uh, I this person was like, well, classes doesn't include you know, the unvaccinated, let's say. Um, it does actually classes uh, is the class that would include like religious like what I what I talk about is volitional membership meaning any religion for example is not an inherent characteristic uh, although being unvaccinated is a way that you're born it's an inherited characteristic um, but it's since it's malleable then for some reason segregation can't occur and I would just like to tell people rationally because I've heard this argument a lot um, that's not it's simply not true so class includes uh, religious, for example, affiliation, which means that's a volitional choice to become a, a member of a religion. No one's born into a religion, really. You know what I mean? You're born and your parents are that thing. But you must, this is what all so many religious coming of age ceremonies are about, right? Now you're like going, I'm part of this thing. So it has to be of your own volition. And even your parents would be like, I can't force you or else that would be a false thing, you know? So uh, secondly, uh, the unvaccinated are an established class, both in legal precedent uh, in case people are curious about that sort of thing uh, in Montana, uh, as well as uh, common usage um, throughout many, many journals. You can just Google it if you want. Um, anyway, so just, just so you know, uh, to, to people will be like, yeah, that's a good point. I don't want to go hugely down that rabbit trail, but since I've had that argument comprehensively, I was just like, hey, again, I, I try not to be mad about any genuine argument ever. I think that's another just a helpful hint, hopefully, for anyone at home. <laughs> if someone puts an argument forth uh, and it breaks the Godwin's law of mentioning Hitler, um, the, oh, that's just inappropriate. And I, I would say in general, if you have that response, if I have that response, oh, that argument's, that's un, that's unreasonable. I can't believe you said that. Um, typically, I don't think that's named as a logical fallacy, but to me, it's evidence of that, of irrational thought that you're trying to say that like, oh, that comparison is, is so inappropriate. We're done here. Um, pretty much is a fear or cowardice response of being just like, I don't like it. And so I'm out of here. You're being ridiculous, you know? But the reason we Godwin's law, which says that uh, Godwin's law is like an internet law that says any argument over time eventually will end up mentioning Hitler. Uh, so that's why I like to do it right off the get-go. Get but the reason that happens is simply because Hitler, for whatever reason, I guess branding, is a Hitler and the Nazis and everything they got up to, all their little crazy um, homicidal, genocidal mischief, is just something we all generally, meaning like 98%, 99% of the people you're going to talk to, you and that person will have a common agreement that that was a terrible thing. <laughs> so why not go there to a place that you have some agreement? And people get mad about it. And I'm like, well, we're trying to find common ground. So it's insane to me that people will get mad that you're trying to find common ground that somehow is outrageous. You can't compare these things because we compare the Holocaust to Mao's genocide or Stalin's genocide. Communism has killed something like, you know, as an ideology, right? Nazism, you compare Nazism and communism, but communism under communist regimes, something like four to six times more people have been murdered by the state uh, in Khmer Rouge, in Russia, in China versus in Germany. Uh, so we compare those and it doesn't make them undo. And we compare Jim Crow to early, uh, you know, to the discrimination policies of Nazi Germany, despite the fact that there was no strict concentration camp, millions of people just brought in only to work and, and then be murdered. You know what I mean? But 
but you don't go, well, that's inappropriate. So that, again, this whole cry of inappropriate is almost certainly somebody's like mental faculties going into Fritz. And we should, these are all, these are all open, open things, y'all. It's all good. Let's all, I mean, it's all bad. <laughs> it's all good because it's all bad. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, 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 yeah, you're getting it. What, what bothered me about that particular incident was just like this, this um, embargo, like cer certain comparisons yeah. are completely <laughs> off limits, which was interesting because I wasn't actually making mm -hmm. that comparison. They, they, you know, they sort of no. extracted yeah, yeah. that comparison from this one word. Um, so, and, and I might, you know, make it, but in that moment, in the way that was said, it, I wasn't strictly making it. So it, it sort of got inflamed. And then it, as you know, it really ended up uh, going nowhere after investing quite a bit of energy <laughs> with, with your, with, uh, with your, you know, help uh, and tutelage on, on some of the finer points of the research. But anyway, to get out of that, um, yeah, you know, this is an area where I want to keep learning. Um, I just, you know, I, I don't know, I, I kind of enjoy history. I don't have the best knack for remembering a lot of it. It's kind of yeah. bizarre. You know, I've read a lot, particularly in the last few years, things that I think are important about America's history. Yeah. Um, and you know, and, and a lot of the missteps we've made, um, but that's a euphemism, <laughs> uh, a lot of the hor <laughs> hor horrific things that have happened in our past. Yeah. And I think that is a common ground you and I hold that yeah. oh, the more sure. we, the more we understand about our history, the, the more likely potentially we are to, to avoid it. Yeah. And one of the things, you know, here I'm, I'm going to speak kind of anecdotally. Um, my understanding though, is that Germany at large, and maybe we maybe we can name the system of schools and uh, curriculum, like public schools, you know, have have not seemed to sort of sort of whitewash and and brush away the the, the lessons of the Holocaust. Like like they've actually mm -hmm. named them named them and and want generations to understand what what happened. Um, and and who knows? Like I, I think. I don't believe in any sort of one perfect telling of the story and yeah generally generally I believe you know there's lots of sort of polishing and conditioning and whatever but um is that something you believe to be true that that we could hold Germany up as an example probably more than America in most cases of 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 a country that like says ah uh, here here's something bad we did and and we don't want to do that again well it's interesting <laughs> i think in our country there is a we are just so much bigger so i think swaths of our country have been um so i've been i i went to like uh whatever primary and high school and that sort of stuff in in both the south and the north um and i don't it's it's not exactly that divide because it can be ideological um but i grew up with um the sins of america's past being quite potently in as part of what i was raised in um i only discovered that there was alternate kind of softenings or contextualizings that existed when I moved to Florida, the South, let's say, I uh, moved to the South, uh, Florida specifically though, in ninth grade. And then people were like, had other perspectives on it, which in some ways was great for me because I'd never considered those. Um, what I think Germany offers an excellent uh, example in, 
And actually, let's let, I want to, you know, quote, I think we all have this quote in our head already, but I, I, I always forget who said it, um, the Spanish philosopher George uh, Santayana, those who cannot remember the past are condemned to repeat it, um, which is something I've been aware of. My dad put me in a short film about nuclear, a nuclear holocaust, um, and one of the characters in it, uh, when I was like six, five or six years old, um, reading Revelations, so you can see how I grew up. Um, my, da my dad was an atheist, but he was like, there's some good stuff in here. This is going to impact it. Um, but there, there's people in it. It's a bunch of people sort of recollecting what happened right before the white flash and everybody that. Um, and in it, someone says that quote. So I've had this quote in my head since I was like uh, six years old. Um, what Germany learned from World War I and World War II in terms of how they speak about these things is to speak about these things, but not speak about them in the realm of uh, taking on personal shame because they'd learned the lessons of the past, of the recent past, um, the personal shame of their sort of ignominious, I always forget how to pronounce that, uh, ignominious uh, defeat in World War I uh, led to a cultural shame, a cultural defeat, a cultural malaise uh, in between, not very long, by the way, between World War I and World War II, and Germany was <laughs> ready to fight in both of them. Um, that created the conditions by which the Nazis were able to come in offering like this strident pride which they had completely lost because there was like, we shouldn't be prideful. We're terrible. We're failures. We're what's wrong with us, you know, that sort of thing. Um, and so I think that's the neat thing that Germany has done. It's just like gone on to pursue excellence while being like stern faced as they look at the past, you know, which I think is a, is an, is an awesome lesson and a kind of, kind of a double lesson, right. It's sort of being like, and then yet, <laughs> because they repeated in some ways, those same like nationalistic, violent, et cetera, uh, uh, tendencies, kind, kind of trying to like rewrite history actively, like, oh, we're going to win this time, <laughs> you know, of what had just transpired really within a generation. You know what I mean? Because Hitler was a, was a veteran of World War I. I mean, I think that's, again, speaking of history, it's easy to forget because it's all, both of the, both of those wars were so long ago, <laughs> you know, to, to our recollection. Um, but they were just, they were within a single generation, you know? Um, so yeah, so I do think they're an interesting to to to, to frankly and uh, to frankly face up to one's past. Um, I think is a powerful tool, which is why I'm like, let's do it right now for these past for these past three years. How how was Germany's pandemic response? Uh, pretty militant. You might not you might not be shocked. Um, I don't think they did super well there. Didn't their prime minister kind of leave under some degree of, um, yeah, under a bit of shame? I mean, there's we've already seen this now. There's been a lot of consequences for leaders throughout the world for yeah. the, the New Zealand prime minister left in tears um, after, I mean, arguably one of the most authoritarian uh, uh, responses uh, on the globe. Um, and I know the German prime minister, I don't know if she left him, but she left at least under some sort of yeah, yeah, get out of here. <laughs> Um, so yeah, I think they were, I mean, they were as militant, um, you know, they're not as far from Italy too, which was like an early European model of, um, like intense, uh, authoritarianism, which listen, they have that tendency anyway, uh, both Germany and Italy. Um, so they were, they were, um, quite strict. Um, well, it's fascinating. You mentioned New Zealand in the, I'll name it as the, uh, the COVID fear feed, which is how I trained my, how, how I trained my algorithm. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. 
New Zealand was at least early days often held up as as like this example of yeah yeah how to how to do it right. Yep, them in South Korea. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is but funny. I and I, that, yeah, I think I asked you about that one point. And you were like, "Well, yeah, if they had done that forever, yes, you know, yeah, that's that's a solution. It um, is. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, it's just, but you know, but you don't. It's it's like, do you save any lives in terms of? And I know this is, sounds dark. We'll then we'll probably go here. But if you're as your government, are you saving lives? Meaning, how, are you reducing excess deaths? So it's not about saving individual lives for particular causes. It's about like, are you saving lives in numbers? Which I know is kind of a grim thing to think about, which means, yes, some people are going to die from this, which is what the decision lockdowns made. They're like, okay, a bunch more people are going to die from overdose, a bunch more people are going to die from suicides, a bunch more people are going to die from poverty, but we're trying to pre prevent these deaths over here. So this was always part of the consideration. Um, and it's just, but it's a grim, I don't know. It's just a, it's a grim part of governance, man. There is, ha there is some, some part of you that I understand when you act um, inhuman because there's some part of you that does have to shut off some aspects of empathy as you reckon with no matter what you do, people are going to die. That's a, that's a, listen, I, I don't have that gig. I would love that gig. Um, but that's a, it's a, it's a really horrifying um, part, part of it. Well, and yeah, and at the same time, a lot of people were holding up Sweden as like, everyone in Sweden is going to die. Everyone in New Zealand is going to live. And yet here we are three years later and Sweden in terms of age adjusted excess deaths uh, has done better than I think every other country in Europe. They're in the top few or whatever. As an example of people who didn't lock down, didn't, do, I mean, didn't do whatever, eight to 12 things that all their, their neighbors did. Um, also super, you know, whatever, there's plenty of confounders for why everyone had outcomes that they did, but it is fascinating. And and I think part of the retrospective here in this moment in time is we're, well, as you said in the intro, I mean, it's so fascinating, again, being part, being deeply immersed in the, in the fear feed. Yeah. That that's gone. I mean, really it's gone. Like the only traces I see now are, are, you know, the occasional posts and even the, the level of guilt is is softening quite a bit i mean yeah. six months ago six months ago you know i, I regularly saw facebook posts that were like ah oh, it got me it, it got, got me, me. y'all yes it's it like, got me i could I not almost, run it i almost I'm made sorry. it yeah you i'm just, so sorry like zombie apocalypse like oh well yeah these his, his jugular's being eaten now okay I guess, yeah i guess nice knowing you um yeah shoot him in the head and again, unless somebody wants to go back and listen to the many, many hours of coverage here, um, we don't. I don't make light of the very real severity of COVID, uh, and, and neither does Brendan. We know it's actually a very serious thing, which is why we're having this conversation because the way yeah. it's yeah. been addressed is is not actually in tune with that. So you saying that today? Yeah. So I I literally didn't know that. I didn't know that that it was still like the numbers were that bad or, or worse, as you said. Yeah. So that's just like, whoa, like Arc yeah. as somebody. And so when I name when I name, name this new coin, I just term term, I just coined yeah. uh, the, the, the COVID fear feed. Yeah. I mean, I mean, a year ago, or certainly two years ago, sort of a year ago, um, it was just the polar opposite. So it yeah. just seems there's something there about this polarity. It's just swinging millions of people like it's just so oversimplified oh, for sure. it's like, it's, like yeah. it's either like the worst thing in the world and we have to like to your point sort of prevent this death at all other costs and there were yeah. costs oh for sure uh or 
wow you know what i'm just i'm just done with it i'm just tired of dealing with that and i'm yeah. just gonna sort of move on and most people were, and I would say most people, but like a fat chunk of the country was kind of over it and ready to move on in May of 2020. They were like two, or listen, most people I would say, uh, like who were over it, 15 days. We just, yeah, uh, was yesterday was the anniversary of 15 days to slow the spread. After 15 days, a lot of people were like, okay, now we're done. I would say maybe, maybe a hundred million people were like, you are a monster. How dare you? I was like, wait a second. We just agreed to that. What do you mean? We all agreed to that. 15 days. Cool. Let's do that. And then all, it went on for three years. Three years, y'all. Let me just tell you that. If someone said, hey, do you want to go on a date? Let's go on a date. I have, um, let's just do like a quick 45 minute lunch date because it's our first date. And then they took you on a date for three months against your will. That person should go to prison. Um, and that's essentially what happened to our entire culture, right? Um, but that's the fascinating thing to me is, and this is why I'm like, okay, we obviously need to talk about this because people are now pretending it's over and pretend the same people who are mad at the people after 15 days, a year, three years ago, pretending the pandemic was over, they were furious at them, calling them murderers, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Those same people are now saying the pandemic's over with no, no rationale presented as to why. So this to me is the constant, like holding on to this thesis. I was like, okay, my thesis is true because this isn't rational that somehow now, like why now? Why now? Why not, for example, July, 2021? Why not uh, as soon as vaccines were made available, if that was someone's caveat? But we know vaccines plus seasonal surge actually led to the highest peak of uh, deaths, cases, et cetera. So we know that wasn't the thing that like saved us or whatever. So we also know people have changed coding on how to reckon with COVID deaths. Remember, if everyone remembers, in April, whatever, three years ago, almost, well, maybe a month a month later than now, three years ago, people were like, hmm, wait, are these deaths from COVID or with COVID? And people were like, shut up, you're a monster. And then a year and a half, two late years later, everyone was like, well, hold on, though. Now that the vaccine's out, are these with COVID or from COVID deaths? Because the vaccine's supposed to protect us. Then they had that conversation. So then that changed coding because now, quote unquote, everyone agrees. So now that means deaths go down because things are coded different. People aren't testing anymore, so infection rates go down. But if you look at infection rates, like in terms of estimates, we're still, we're as infected as we have been at any time. So it's not infections. It's not death rate because we, if it was just like waiting for a particular number to go under, which is what a lot of people sort of, I think, think without thinking about it, then it yeah. would have been that. Anyway, there's just no reason. So since there's no reason, that means we've, we're, there's a ton of people who are being unreasonable one way or another, right? So then to me, I'm like, okay, we need to check this. This is just yet another point, and there's been six or seven throughout this past three years where I was like, okay, good. Now here we can all see we're being we're being kind of mental, kind of mental. So then let's let's conference and kind of kind of figure it out together. Like where where did we go wrong? You know? Yeah, and that thing about the numbers is, is fascinating and terrifying. Like I, I, there's just something, particularly in a traumatized, numbed out sort of state. You know, you see somebody. It's funny before this before we hit record we were talking about you know the, the sort of the power of, of clothing or the costume right so you see yeah somebody looking sort of authoritative on on television or the internet or wherever pointing to some numbers and you're right it's like a chart and it's like well here's here's the line we need to get under before we can sort of you know do you know be free again or or however yeah. it is and it's like that all kind of seemed reasonable 
actually. That all just felt like, well, yeah. yeah. But if you asked me what the number was, I doubt I could explain it to you. I doubt most people could explain what is that magic number and why and how is it being tracked and reported? (laughs) Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. So it was it. So that's all of this, again, is, is fascinating to me. And I think the fact that people are sort of just saying it's over now, um, or I would say the people, the group of people who said that people three years ago were insane for saying the pandemic, acting like the pandemic was over, are now saying the pandemic's over. So then ostensibly, this is why people are saying the pandemic's over, because now everyone agrees. Uh, but there was almost like a two to three year divergence between the two groups with, I would say, degrees of hostility towards one another. Although I would say in general, we've seen that those, uh, as a a former Democratic employee myself, um, Democrat employee myself, Democrats generally tended towards being the late, they were the late ones, very angry at the early ones, more or less, uh, was how it functioned. Um, So since this happened, since we weren't reasonable, I was like, this is the time to then go, how do we learn from this time? And then this has been my my goal the whole time. Um, how do we learn from it? And how do we learn who, and I wanted to focus on this kind of focus on policy, but it's also personal. Like how, how did we do based on who we thought we would be? Now, this part of my premise might be something that doesn't apply as much to you, Andy, but like I, throughout my entire life, especially like as I hit it into my like um, uh, like almost early teens, that that sort of period, like 12 and on. Um, I've, I've watched a ton of uh, like Holocaust um, documentaries or like Nazi Germany uh, biopics or films based on, um, watched a ton of films and documentaries and read a whole bunch of stuff about um, discrimination against people, black folks in this country, um, slave, I've like read about the uh, abolition of slavery movement my entire life. Um, or it's like my mom's always been like into it, whatever, starting with William Wilberforce and kind of then pushing through uh, the entire Western world at, at first. Um, so that stuff's fascinating to me. And every time I watched those things, I didn't necessarily associate myself with like the people making decisions because I just, I was like, that probably wouldn't be me. But in that scenario, you watch, I always picture like, um, like, uh, you know, a couple like black 20-year-olds coming, black, you know, a man and a woman come to a diner and they like try to go inside. And of course, you know, the dude and like the, those are like paper hats, you know, the kind of the kinds that you can still get it like uh, Chick-fil-A, uh, not Chick-fil-A, sorry, at um, uh, Krispy Kreme can come, uh, come to the door and they're like, what are you doing? Like you're in the back, you have to go to the back entrance. And meanwhile, while they're sort of arguing with this person and you know, there's tension in the air, uh, you know, a mother and her child kind of come up to the door and then the the same man who's keeping these black folks out, like opens the door wide and lets the white mom and the white kid in. So as a kid, that's who I related to. And I was like, oh my gosh, would I just do that? And I've often thought like, certainly the man keeping them at the door is a heinous individual as far as I'm concerned, although he's acting in the interest of um, public health, absolutely. Um, the worst people to me are the, is that woman and the child. I was like the child. So I was like, and that, that kid was me. You know what I mean? That kid would have been me back then. And so I was like, how would I have responded? Would I have just been like, okay, mommy, let's go in? No, wouldn't I stop and go, well, wait a second. I, I, I would hope, and this, I, I would imagine myself in these scenarios where I'd be like, no, I'd be the person like, I'm not going in unless you let them in. What's wrong with you? That's a human being right there. Like, look how pretty she is. Look how nicely dressed he is. Like what, like what, pro, like 
they're dressed as nice as we are. So then like, there's no like danger, like, oh, they're a dirty vagrant coming to town to stab a bunch of people in the neck. So like, like, what are you talking about? Same thing in Germany or whatever. When did the people who just like, were like, well, okay, it's just a star. They're just asking to put something on their, on their clothes. Like who were the, who were the go along people who made those things happen? Because the go along people on a ground level, dealing with the actual discrimination, to me, always have been the people I'm most related to. So they are the people who are most to blame. People setting policy, unless they're enacting that policy physically with their hands, they're not the most to blame. Hitler was not the most to blame for the genocide. That's that's my thesis also. Uh, it was the people who literally did it. He wasn't, unless he was there, it's like, oh, but I would have died then flip and die. He would have killed me if I didn't do it. Then let him kill you. Like, what's wrong with you? You still did it. It's your choice. You know what I mean? You chose to do terrible things to other people. Um, and they were going to die. So, and you were killing them. So then, I mean, don't pretend like that's not sort of on the menu. Anyway, so my whole life, I've always been like, who would I be in those scenarios? And I hope I'm going to act the way that I think I am. And then we went through this pandemic and I certainly fell short of what my ambition was. But is that something you can even relate to? Is that something that you, when you watch things or read stories about history, have you ever placed yourself like previous to this pandemic? Is that something you you sort of had a preset of like, if faced with this, I would react this way, I hope. Absolutely. Yeah, I, I don't know if I can be as specific about it. Um, but yes, yeah, I mean, it, I think that's part of why at the level of ego, I have opted into like the woke religion, you know, because it seemed like, oh, this is a group of people who are so devoted to the idea yep. of of treating each other um, better and, and radically shifting, you know, how how we are together, how we treat each other, how we look at policies, how we just sort of turn everything upside down. And I'm, I've said this before on this show and other places, um, you know, I I just really had to be uh sobered up you know I, I i realized i was like sort of looking for this perfect revolution that i realized doesn't exist because we're human yeah. and yeah and i'm human and we're fallible and and so hope i think you know there's two things one that's one of the reasons i'm here with you generally doing this show so we can grow together and then also like we decided to re hit record, right? We said maybe <laughs> maybe others would benefit from hearing that. And I, yeah. and it, you know, as I mentioned this, even early days to a lot of folks, they were like, yeah, yeah. I'm like, I want to hear. We need to hear more of that. <laughs> That's like we need more of that energy. Yeah. But but I was just thinking about there's three reasons I love talking to you. One is I love you. Two is I love you. I I thank you. I believe that you are very well researched and reasoned, even if I don't agree. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. And then. The reality is I don't talk to people outside my bubble enough and I judge neither do do most of the people in my bubble and that's we've turned that over quite a few times in the context of you yeah, know yeah. comparing it to a religion and there's a there's a very primal element there because it feels it can feel safe to mm -hmm. feel right to feel right yeah yeah in a relative sense like look because you look around you and you're like cool we're all good Right. I know these people. These people are loving, empathic people. That's what they're doing. So then that's I mean, it's a it's a very there is rational elements to like look around, gut check. Cool. I'm good. We're good. We're good. <laughs> All right. Let's move on. You know what I mean? Yep. It makes a lot of sense. Yep. Um, and so what you just said is it reminds me. And it's really fascinating. You know, sometimes I'll just. 
be talking about this show or maybe one or two of your beliefs as best as I can convey them. And if, you know, a lot of times, I mean, your beliefs don't, don't adhere to, to a lot of, you know, woke philosophy. And it's really fascinating, right? It even goes back to, again, what we were talking about, about dress, you know, you dress colorfully, let's say, and, and it's like, that confuses people. It confuses people, maybe yeah. even agitates them or worse. Um, and, and so similarly here, you know, I, I, one of the ways I, I sort of explain you to people, if you will, <laughs> is, is like, well, look, I've never read anything Malcolm X wrote. Yeah. I don't, I don't know why, you know, I mean, I just, it's just, I'll just say that I'll just admit that right here. And maybe people yeah. are like, oh, wow, I'm shocked. You know, you, you do racial justice work. I'm like, yeah, well, I know my book pile yeah. is like 300 books tall. But you do, right? You did read it. You you yeah. do, and so I love the way you just said that. And it it didn't it hasn't brought us to necessarily all the same conclusions, and yeah. that's okay, folks, because yeah. we can get here and we can be like, wow, you read this and I read this, and holy crap, we got totally different things out of it. But I just really do want to uplift what you just said because I I know that about you that you are a, a really pretty hardcore researcher and you've been doing it for a really long time, so there's a real cognitive dissonance with the way you're met, I believe. Um, and especially on the internet, because the internet's a mess and nobody knows you, yeah. but yeah, yeah. But like, but I, I appreciate that about you. So I'll, I'll, I'll land on that. I appreciate that <laughs> about you, that you are considerate, even if that maybe especially that that sort of um, maybe brings you to different conclusions that, that don't fall within a certain, you know, expectation of like well what do you mean you read those 10 bucks you're supposed to think like this now yes yeah 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 like, yeah exactly that to read something and then assume well that's why i love talking and arguing with people because i'm like oh I, I don't want to fall into that that paradigm of just like oh well then that's what it is you know because i was like hey I, I don't i don't know if that information process act, actually processed that way for individual human beings um, i think it can tend to ossify or sort of be moved gravitationally into that once you start congregating with people like you were talking about. Um, but I pursue the opposite comfort, I think, in a way. Because it was funny, you were saying I mostly talk to people who agree with me or whatever. And I was like, I hardly ever talk to people who agree with me. <laughs> like that is absolute minimal. I mostly talk to people in real life who don't want to talk about anything I'm interested in. And then the second most interactions well, that's, that's in person. And then in person, yeah, that's the majority. And then in virtual life, I it's a, I don't even know, it's like a fifth, a 27 to one ratio of talking, 27 talking to people I don't, who don't agree with me. And then that one being like having some consolidation of like, oh, hey, that's what's going on for you too. Oh, me too. And I've been seeing this. You too? Oh, cool. You know, it's like a it's like a rare moment of respite where you kind of go in and talk to people who agree. And then you go, okay, cool. Peace out. See you later. I'm going to go talk to people who don't agree. Um, but I'm also like a little addicted to like radical learning. I feel like argument argument is like classic. Well, it's totally classic learning. Uh, so I'm, I'm, I love, I love learning. Well, it's funny too. I was thinking about it this week that I was, um, and uh, I don't know if you saw on Twitter this past like three or four days, there was a lady named Bethany Mandel who was on uh, Brianna Taylor. I can't remember her middle name. Um, Brianna Joy. Uh, 
she was like a Bernie staffer. Now she has a show on Rising. Uh, the Hill uh, uh, has a podcast called Rising. So she was hosting that. Asked this lady, Bethan Mandel, who's talking about sort of children in school under assault for a bunch of different things, and asked her to to define woke because she brought it up a couple times. And Bethy Mandel like brain fritzed. Now she wrote a whole chapter on woke, and she defined it on Twitter later or whatever. Like. But she did not do well under live television fire. Got to tell you, she stumbled through. She eventually got to like a definition that was true, but it was, it was terrible. It was, it was, it was like, and I listen, I'm a performer. So like whenever you watch someone like folding or getting uncomfortable under pressure, it makes my buttholes just get so tight. I mean, it was like, oh my gosh, it was anally uh, damaging to watch her stumble through it. But a lot of people have been arguing about the definition of woke, um, and I realize, especially, you know, because woke is a term that's been around since the 1940s. Um, it's in old blues songs, y'all. I first encountered it in, uh, was, it, um, was it School Days? I want to say School Days, a uh, Spike Lee film. Um, Spike Lee's second film. Uh, and so I was woke when I was like 12. Like I was the dude rock, like talking about the, you know, uh, systemic injustice in America's past. Talk, I didn't stop saluting the flag. Talked about, you know, that all those red stripes were stained in blood uh, of and foreign soils and foreign oils and et cetera, et cetera. Um, and that we need to like be well aware that like that thing that we're saluting is is built on the subjugation of peoples, right? That aspect of woke. Um, because woke has been, has sort of meant a completely different thing for since the 40s, not even before that, um, till 2017, probably 2017, 2016, somewhere in that little range, I think between the 2014 and 2020, like BLM movements, somewhere in there, it started changing. Um, and now it means something, I think, radically different. Um, and that's when I kind of like stepped out of it. Um, but I did want to, for anybody who out there who is woke, uh, I, you know, in some ways, maybe that makes me worse, because then it's like, you're an apostate. Um, but it was just like, no, I just don't, I can't go over there with you but like i'm gonna stay over here but, but our intentions i just say all that to be like our intentions are actually shockingly similar um in, in that and that, even in this process too to be like i think having been informed and stridently so uh, about that um that i wasn't gonna and i know this is a fictional example but like i wasn't gonna be the person who just stood by while the cops uh choked radio rahim to keep it spikely do the right thing uh choked him to death I was not going to be one of those people um, or whenever you see, like you see it in um, in like Nazi films or whatever, where like there's two Nazi soldiers with guns uh, and they're going to like kill someone by pouring cold water in them in the freezing cold until they die. Um, and then they're around them, you zoom out and there's a crowd of like 200 Jewish people and you're like, kill the people with the guns only 25 or 30 of you are going to die and you can tear them to shreds and this won't occur. You'll all end up dying anyway, but that's going to happen no matter what. So like, I didn't want to be one of those inactive people. So my before pre-thesis was, I thought if things like this happened in my lifetime, if the same type of things that happened during Japanese internment, the early days of uh, public health justifications for discrimination against uh, citizens, the ratting on citizen stuff that we've seen, uh, that people have made comparisons uh, in Reuters. I sent you an article yesterday where Reuters compared the like COVID snitching program in Germany to the Stasi, the like secret police of Germany. So this was being openly talked about in early 2020. So this, these comparisons have been made the entire time by mainstream sources until it got real political and weird. And people are just like, you can't say that. And then everyone started hating each other. Um, 
So it worked. We created another hurrah, hurrah, hurrah. But I thought I was going to be John Brown. Like that was my hero of the, of my, my hero was not William Wilberforce, which is unfair. He's a cool, cool dude. Maybe one of the most important figures in the abolition of slavery in human history. I wanted to be John Brown, who was a bit of a mental case, uh, who went down with his sons and a couple other people to basically just go help start a slave revolution. I thought John Brown, again, I was very influenced by Malcolm X's kid. So John Brown, Nat Turner, I was like, we should have gone the Toussaint Louverture, Haiti style, and just literally, or, or in Ma the Mau Mau's in Kenya, we should have gone and killed as many people as we needed to kill until they relented and said, okay, okay, let's negotiate a peace and free everybody. Like the, having, having Lincoln, quote unquote, free the slaves was like, that's a, that's a shoddy outcome as far as I was concerned. It was like a conciliatory outcome. It was like, okay, well, the white guy had to come along and like just say from on high. Um, now, granted, of course, that led to the, you know, whatever the greatest percentage per capita death rate in U.S. history. Uh, so yes, many people did basically, essentially, I mean, the Civil War in many ways was a giant version of that. Um, but I thought if it was more homegrown, you know, if you could go down there and empower a Nat Turner and like, let's, let's burn this whole system down. Um, but then this pandemic came along and I was definitely way more of a, I just became a, you know, and I could blame my disease and all sorts of other things. Um, but I lifted my voice, but I was more like a pamphleteer. I was less of a like uh, weather underground and more like a, a radio talk show host. <laughs> you know, I was less like an actual like resistance fighter in Germany, um, sneaking people out. Uh, and I was more of a, again, just like somebody on CB, just like empowering the troops or whatever. Like I, I was so much less active, I think, than I thought I would be. Um, and the one time I was faced with seeing someone like show their vaccine passport to get food at a place, which is to me the closest approximation. I never saw anyone like rejected because they didn't have it or whatever, but I saw someone showing it to show that they were like the clean um, in order to get food at a place. I didn't leave, you know, I just gotten into like a 12 minute argument with them about wearing masks, which I refused to do at that point. Cause it was so, I mean, at that point it was just very a ridiculous time to do so. Um, it'd be like someone asking me to do it now for anybody who's more, more um, progressive. Um, but I didn't, you know what I mean? I didn't storm out. I didn't decry it loudly. I didn't cause a scene. I didn't perform a fun cause I'm a performer. I could have made a fun comedy bit monologue out of that. Um, instead I just, I'd already argued one thing. So I was just like, ah, oh, I give up. I'm just, I'm just going to be sad and just walked away. So in many ways, I fell far short of, of who I thought I would be in this pandemic. And I say that out loud to people just to like, if people are like, how dare you accuse me? I'm like, man, it's the, we're all accused. <laughs> no, no one, no one is, uh, is bereft of this. Like we did not behave well. Well, appreciate you naming that in that way. And that is an important role in it just about every movement I know of, that that pamphleteer, that voice. Um, you know, and I wonder, a, a few years ago, actually right before the pandemic, um, visited Montgomery, Alabama and went to the Rosa Parks Museum and they have they have like mm. the original, one of the original mimeograph machines that they- Oh yeah, yeah. They, they stayed up all night, just old school cranking out yep. by, by hand by hand hand cranked the, the, the flyers that led to the montgomery book 
bus boycotts, you know? Yeah. And I'm, as as a huge fan, uh, well, an early proponent of and an idealist of social media and now a cynic of, in many ways, um, just such a good reminder of how, how much can be done with, with pretty simple technology. I know. It's that, was, that, was like, that was like heart and community and very simple technology and just yeah. paper. You know, and I, I think a lot, I just wonder a lot about the signal to noise ratio mm-hmm. and what you and some others were saying. Let's not even judge it as, as all right or all wrong, but like, at least, at least in my algorithm, it was totally drowned out. And yeah. So, you know, I, 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 you got my attention, which is one of the reasons we're here. Yeah. I appreciate that. As I said a minute ago, just, just to even have a different view and, and sometimes it can be really hard to find and sometimes it can be hard to take, but I think our inability to even hear another point of view yeah you know and and it's usually couched in in the in the vein of like well we don't want to give them any um any latitude we don't want to give them any more more road because it's closer yeah. to they have they have all the power already and i'm like well okay sure we could talk about that yeah <laughs> yeah if we could talk we could talk about that too but, but, <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, but yeah. i'm still yeah. but i'm still stuck on the like can we even talk yeah. piece yeah, yeah. I, I I wonder if we have drifted away from your beautiful outline. Is there anything? Oh yeah, I was like, there... yeah, I would love to look at the the corollaries. I mean, to me, um, I'm fully listen. I know a lot of people have different relationships to shame. Uh, my therapist brought it up the other day, and he was like, "I'm not trying to shame you." And I was like, "I mean, go ahead. I don't care. Shame's a phenomenally wonderful tool so part of this uh asking this question is hopefully to bring up really 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 powerful feelings of shame for people that they have to deal with um i am dealing with my own shame and how i felt absolutely fell short of like who i thought i would be in this time in this moment um and then i i would love that to come up for other people to consider who they are and that's why i was making those images too of like who were you when someone was like arguing to get in the grocery store because they didn't want to put a mask on because that wasn't an evidence-based policy. It was more, and in fact, when cloth masks were mandated, that was a harm policy. That was a cloth masks are likely conductive of viral infection. And that's what they told you to wear for two years, y'all. So it wasn't a loving policy. It wasn't a public health policy. Um, So then when and I, I, this happened to me many times. I would be arguing with someone and be like, well, why do I have to wear my mask? And why can't you tell me why? And why can't your manager tell me why? This is weird, right? Shouldn't we just recognize? And people would just kind of like go, oh, please, will you just get out of the way, walk into REI, walk into the grocery store, whatever. You and only then, have to wear your mask until you sit down and eat. Come on, man. Just, yeah, yeah, yeah. Get it's only, on with it. only until you until you want to taste a sample. Um, so um, and this happened as recently as Black Panther Wakanda, right? It was the most recent time. So it's still happening, y'all, um, where I wore a mask, my cool luchador mask, which is my uh, pandemic uh, mask throughout 20, really the entire pandemic continued to this day. Uh, so I wore that along with my like super natty suit because I like to get dressed up for Black Panther because that's how that's how my Black brothers and sisters roll. So that's how I'm going to roll on Black Panther opening weekend. People are decked out, by the way, y'all. It's so fun. Um, so I was like decked out and like with a matching uh, mask on and the movie theater 
who has demanded I wear a mask for the past two years, every time I've walked in, was like, you have to take your mask off. And I was like, okay, hold on a second, man. <laughs> I was like, yeah, for two years, man, you've been demanding I put a mask on my face. Now you're saying I have to take a mask off. I was like, you realize this is, we're in cuckoo town right now, right? And then this very large man came up and was just like, I don't care about this. And he like handed his ticket over and kind of cut in line and just to like go watch the movie or whatever. And of course that, I mean, that pissed me off more than anything. Where I was like, how do you, what do you, you're just lit, A, you cut in line, which is kind of pissing on my shoes as like man to man. And then you're like, you don't care. And I was like, this is basically what's happened for three years. People are just like, I don't care about this. I don't care about this. And I was like, you are the people walking into the diner as people are being kept out of the diner, like in, in those black and white footage things. And so that's what people, like, that's who you were. You're the people just like going, mm, I'm just going in here to get my bread. Because the Jewish person is like, oh, wait, no, I need another half a loaf. I didn't come last week. Look at my ration card. It's not been checked. And I've got the star on. And you're just like, yeah, I don't, I don't have time for that. I'm, re I'm really busy. And it went past that. So then a lot of you listening, you were those people who don't give, don't care about other people's like problems specifically related to what you're doing. Un unjust, unjustified and unjust discrimination occurring right in front of you. And you didn't care your neighbors, right? Um, then there's a whole nother level of you when you see like people, um, like, a um, what's her name? Uh, Ruby, what's her name? Ruby? Anyway, Ruby Bridges, Bridges. Like, uh, you remember those footage, like we've seen um, footage of people like going to segregated schools for the first time, right? And you see those crowds around them screaming at them. Oh yeah. That was a ton of y'all online because so much of our culture exists online now. I, and this is really what inflamed me about this whole talking about all these things in the first place. It was watching people bully people online, essentially sort of scream, castigate, say terrible things to them um, because they weren't they weren't really doing they weren't doing the safe thing, right? And listen, public health was part of the consideration. Social health was part of the consideration, keeping black folks away from white culture because they, quote unquote, weren't ready. They just weren't ready for polite society. You know, it was a danger to them. It was a danger to them too. We're protecting them and we're protecting us. Absolutely was the rationale at that time. Same thing, public health rationale in terms of Jews were spreaders of disease. Um, the safety, we can't trust Japanese people because of their obvious affiliation with their homeland, Japan, even though they're Japanese Americans. And many of them were straight up born here and were like, I'm an American. Like, why is this yeah. happening? Like but the they were third like, generation. Yeah. yeah. No, it was someone outside saying, no, you're part of the bad tribe. Okay. All three of those are explicit corollaries to what happened in our, in our time period over these past three years. There was many people who hopefully are hearing this now, who were the people screaming. You're the people in the picture screaming at the black kid trying to go to school. You're the person literally like screaming at the Jew to get out of line. Just get out of line. Go back home. You know, you were the people like literally like out there, like saluting the and like singing uh, whatever. <laughs> it's a grand old flag. It's a high flying flag as Japanese people were marched out of your out of your town. Like and you were excited about it. There was a phenomenal number of people do that. And hopefully it's people listening. You were the people who actually did this. You were the people who took cards and were like, hmm. Are you Jew or are you non-Jew? Are you mm, are you an octoroon? Are you an octoroon? I don't know. You could pass, but I can't tell it. Like what what? That's that's what happened, y'all. And we need to deal with this. This again, if this premise is true, because I think it is. You we need to deal with this trauma. So let the shame do its work to get you. You need to face this and deal with this. I'm dealing with the way I failed 
on a, on a daily basis, trying to kind of reason it out, trying to give myself some consolation like you did, Andy, of like, well, you did something. And I was like, oh, that's kind of an important piece. Sure, it is. It's not it's not the heroism I thought I was going to live in. I'm less, I'm less, you know, the uh, perfect man that I thought it would be or whatever, but this really needs to be processed. And in order to be processed, it needs to be faced. And I think generally, and you face this too, as soon as you bring this up, people just go into abject denial. Oh, it's not the same thing at all. Like why this time in history is othering. And I, I talked to someone about this. Someone put it up. They were like, you know what? The time in, if you find yourself saying as a certain group of people are vilified in public, quote, you know what, maybe this time there's something to it, end quote. Take a look at history and realize, no, it's probably not. And I responded on Twitter to this guy being like, oh, this happened to the unvaccinated, right? And he was talking about trans people. But it doesn't matter what the group is. If you're screaming at them and saying they're, they can't come in somewhere, they can't eat at your restaurant, whatever. Um, I don't think that's happened to trans people, but maybe it has. Um, uh, but certainly not in the, in the massive way we're talking about, but it could apply to any people group. How did that happen to you that you were like, yeah, this is okay. And yes, getting rid of those people, or especially for like, for Democrats specifically, my homies, uh, you know, around 50% of Democrats when polled in like 2021 said that the unvaccinated should be locked in their homes, that it should be okay. There was something like 30, 40% said that the government should be able to take their children away. Something like 30% said that they should be sent to government camps until such time the government dictates that they should be released. So that's totally where we were all at. And how did that happen? And how did you let it happen? And how did you fail your own standards? I think that's the place I'd like to take to next, the, the sort of idea of betrayal of prior inclinations. Like what, and then maybe we can figure it out, you and me, like, how does that happen? Like, how do we betray our priors in writ large, the way I'm talking about since I was 12 years old, but even just prior in terms of like, internally during the pandemic and pre-pandemic like how did we release all our priors how did that happen so how because if we don't figure that out we won't figure out how to make sure this doesn't ever happen again oh oh are you talking to me yeah you, you mean i did that did what um Betrayed prior. I'm assuming you betrayed. I mean, I betrayed prior. Do you mean that? Do you mean that I participated in? Yeah, yeah. In COVID? Oh, in COVID. Yeah, we all did. Yep. Yep. Uh -oh. Yep. You, me, everybody. I mean, I don't think there's anybody who's exempt. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I think I did it. Great. <laughs> because I thought when I got vaccinated, I was going to get superpowers because I usually identify with often yes. white males portrayed as having super human strength in movies or, or being really good with weapons or something oh yeah yeah, yeah. The, the rainbow the rainbow effect. I, I was waiting for that to kick in before yeah. i you know ran around like Save, saving everybody solving, saving everybody yeah that, that's what <laughs> yeah. i was going for that's awesome uh, still waiting but you know uh that's 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 what's up uh i some there's a correlation here for me with let's say really blatant interpersonal acts of racism that I feel like I don't see a whole lot of. So mm -hmm. I, I'm hard pressed to remember, say, going into a restaurant and seeing somebody arguing about wearing a mask or something like that, and then, and then sort of walking past them. So that, yeah. and I'm not saying it didn't happen. That either means for some reason it didn't happen, which is sort of possible because I think here in Chicago, like 
we are a fairly homogenized kind of like at least in terms of political ideology in, in mm -hmm. some ways um you know and I, I think we all sort of did our lockdown thing and we we many of us didn't like it and, and I absolutely believe there's still trauma from it but we kind of did it you know and it, there was even a bit of like solidarity and like well we're we're in this together and we're doing this together yeah um and I've sent you many numerous examples of when I've seen all sorts of um either vaccine or, or mask passport mandate kind of stuff oh yeah, yeah. and that's that's how that's the the main complicity I could name that I see and, mm -hmm. and I'll I'll keep digging deeper is that I absolutely uh, participated in that right because yeah I got vaccinated pretty early I've told that story here um yeah and so it's like it's like I had the credentials though yeah. I didn't there, there was a little there was a little like alarm going off somewhere in my mind like like, gee, isn't this odd? Isn't this an odd credential to flash right yeah. now or to, or to be asked to flash? Yeah, yeah. But it, was, but it was kind of somewhere somewhere in the distance of my of my mind, some distant corner where I was kind of like, well, this is weird, but I don't know. It's kind of the way it is. And I've got the credential and I want to do this thing. So I'll just keep moving. It's yeah. actually been a while. What, what I notice now is, at least here where I live in Chicago, I don't I don't know. I don't see many mandates anymore um yeah you go to a you go to a big public event it might be like half and half people wearing masks so that's mm -hmm. interesting um I'm always curious in those environments because yeah like you I'm really kind of aware and sensitive and I'm just like or if I'm even just talking to somebody who's wearing a mask am I gonna is there gonna be a sense of judgment like that's what I'm always sort of checking for or worried yeah. about I guess is, is yeah. are they gonna be like you know what the hell you know um but it's it's actually fascinating whether or not wearing a mask is misguided. Maybe they're actually paying more attention than I am to to what you cited earlier about. Oh yeah, yeah, like, case rates, death rates, all that stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like, oh, guess what? <laughs> We're still in this thing. Um, and I was gonna—I I don't want to get too distracted, but I was wondering if, if like the way we're behaving now, um, feels like how we actually should have been behaving in the beginning in terms of. Mm -hmm. not many of us who, who are sort of over it even of even those of yeah. us who were vaccinated and wearing masks and doing kind of check all the check boxes yeah that were asked of us or demanded of us um to fully participate uh you know is that is the freedom we somehow believe we've earned now being quote-unquote past pandemic post-pandemic yeah uh would you say that's like that's actually how we would have been a healthier way to operate in early 2020 versus locking everything down and freezing and you know, yeah all. yeah I mean the I mean the, in terms of the state choices the state choices were almost uniformly I mean it would be hard to find an exception where the state didn't actually impose something that was very was wasn't part of the pre-pandemic playbook uh they just made up new stuff um and then they did stuff that was going to be more harm than good it was more harm than good, that sort of stuff. But in terms of people, I mean, the priors, I guess the thing I really would have wanted is just people to not betray their previous priors. Now, I've brought this up on the show, I think, before, but in 2019, there was a Gallup poll polling 
the the whole of the population. Now, of course, it's a, it's a it's a sample size. That's how polls work. But Gallup, right? Everyone's heard of Gallup. They're, they're reputable, centrist, as far as people know, uh, organization. Um, and the four there were four industries in negative trust. So that doesn't mean low trust, like oh, we barely trust those people. No, it was in negative trust. We distrust these institutions. That was the U.S. government. That was the pharmaceutical industry. That was the healthcare industry and the advertising industry. Somehow, from 2019 into late 2019 into 2020, that entire paradigm got flipped upside down to where, oh, the government's tell us to do something they've never told us to do before with the support of the healthcare industry. And it's being messaged to us by the advertising industry and the news industry, which we have a pretty low trust for, <laughs> not negative, but low. Uh, and then... Um, and then eventually, again, like Woody Harrelson said it on SNL, until the pharmaceutical industry came along and saved us um, and let us finally, like they were going to figure it out for us. I don't understand how, just even from that early point, like how did that happen? Like how did everyone just go, We now we disagree with ourselves? Like what happened? And and we I talked about this with you on the thread that we saw three major messages that blew my mind throughout the past three years from New York Times and Atlantic, I think, where literally they were like, and I'm not, I'm paraphrasing barely here. Uh, don't use critical, don't use critical thinking, critical thinking, the way you think about it is wrong. Not even joking. Uh, don't trust your intuition. Your intuition isn't always right. And, uh, and then most recently, you're better off not knowing, like, stop, don't pay attention. It's really just going to wreck you psychologically. So those three messages came through because it had already happened. But I was like, I guess that to me is the big, that's the thing I really want to face is like, how did that even happen? Like, certainly there's also a complicity of like not recognizing strangeness. Um, but especially when it got to a discriminatory level, like I think at that point, people were, my guess is people were just so numbed out from already surrendering or sort of enslaving their will to an outside source that previously they said they didn't trust. But I, I don't, that's the part I don't understand. Like people who jumped into lockdown of solidarity, like how, how was that? How did that make any sense to anybody? Because previous, it was that message came from all industries that we all agreed we didn't trust. So I think that's the weirdest thing. Like, how did that happen? So <laughs> I think I've admitted this on this show. Um, I mean, I, I get most of my information socially, yeah. um, which, which has some pretty interesting implications when I, as I study more, you know, indigenous cultures and oral, oral, yeah. oral traditions. And it's kind of yeah. like, there's advantages, oh, like many people hold that up as, as a much better, better way of operating, It may be, which, which is a whole separate deal. Um, you know, and, and in my case, I, I, I don't know, right? You know, if we could analyze sort of why why that is about me and why I, I I just am more comfortable with that, or somehow I don't know, makes me feel more connected to people or or whatnot. Um, yeah. But unfortunately, which I guess was part of my, as I mentioned, my my allure or my my hope, like for social media, was like, oh, this could be really powerful that that we could yeah. socialize things and and actually, um, yeah, all these voices could be might be far more powerful than than just a. Of a very limited number of sort of professional voices telling us yeah. what's up. Yeah. So yeah. I would say, uh, and, and now we know that that's 
challenging to say the least uh say let's just take facebook as one example of like well what how is a how is a an algorithm actually designing sort of which pieces of social news i get yeah as a whole separate thing which we've touched on here and there um and so that's that's where i'm that's the connection point i'm thinking is like wow yeah. i first started hearing about it there Oh, I heard, I heard about it from people I trust because I, I don't like read the news every morning. Yeah. 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 So, so I don't think I actually got much of it from a, from, from those categories now, but I don't mm. deny <laughs> too many negatives. I, I, <laughs> I don't not deny I, this. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it would be a great politician today. Um, <laughs> it is so good. You're like, I guess he's, he probably said what I like. I mean, I, I was actually studying things like the Edelman trust barometer is one that I had been studying around that same time. So, oh, yeah. so there's very good evidence about about institutions and trust that uh, whether you're citing that or something else. So I, that that I uh, agree with. So even so, then my question is, okay, then I was getting the second, third, fifth hand. Yeah, yeah. But it was still that was still the the origin point, right? Was what yeah. was being. It, I would I would assume maybe first reported unless we go way deep in the weeds of, of sort of the ideas or, or so-called conspiracy theories that like the entire pandemic and the virus was designed. I mean, that's, that's a whole thing that I yeah. don't know that we're addressing here today. No. So then it's like, okay, let's assume it, it happened for whatever reason started in China. And then we started hearing about it. So I, I guess yeah. I assume the first mentions were sort of news-based. Um, but that's, who knows really i mean that that's of course the u.s government was involved in like knowing about it and yes yeah yeah in some ways probably conditioning how it was how that story was told and what was yeah. told and when it was told and well we you know, know yeah we know we know that at this point i mean because we've through freedom of information act we've seen emails in early 2020 where people were actively saying we've got to get ahead of this we got to squash this whatever we said right, right, right. the lab late. I mean, yeah, people actively were out there. So to me, I was like, how did that happen? And then how did the, after it said 15 days, right? Happy anniversary, uh, 15 days to slow the spread after 15 days. Why did it, like, to me, I was like, okay, I'll do 15 days. I did. I was like, all right, let's do it. But I'm a literalist, dude. If you say we're doing this for 15 days, guess what? You better, you better have some, you better pony up some serious cash which is what they did, um, uh, or you need to re-justify why we're going past the original schedule. I'm an improv dude, but if we make a schedule, we're freaking sticking to the schedule. So after 15 days, and that's when a lot of people were like started doing anti-lockdown protests and people were like, you guys are sick. What's wrong with you, right? How, like that, that right? Once you knew it was 15 days, who, who on day 16, why did anyone just go, are we doing it more? That part doesn't make any sense. But here, let me just lay this out too. Like maybe this will help foster the we, bringing this in for a landing before we just like riff through some solutions. Um, this is but this whole betrayal of prior inclinations. Not only trust, up topsy-turvy trust and then topsy-turvydom of the scientific endeavor, meaning people started trusting experts or expert consensus over the consensus of evidence, meaning our random control trials, systematic and uh, surveys and meta-analysis of random control trials. Um, that's what science says, listen the most to. And they said, listen the least to, this is just how science works. Listen the least to experts' opinions and expert, the consensus of experts' opinions. So, but then our society, topsy-turvied 
what we trusted the least or distrusted and put them at the top. And then we flip science upside down too, in order to do, make all this happen. So this is fascinating to me, right? These are entire worldviews completely flipped up, uh, upside down in order to comply, I guess, or, or maybe the way you're talking about it in order to accord with the group around you to, you know, and I wasn't really with any group. So I think it was easier to be independent, but like I listed out these betrayal of prior inclinations ideologically, even during the pandemic, people were saying these certain things and then acting the opposite. So uh, intersectional people supported the oppressors, right? The literal people in power were the ones imposing things and censoring and and literally like hurt, like <laughs> pursuing various degrees of harm against marginalizing really the populace entire. So intersectional people sided with the oppressors, basically like rich white men in positions of actual power. They were like, no, you got to listen to them, St. Fauci, et cetera. Um, Anti-racists supported racist policies, vaccine mandates, mask mandates, lockdowns, all disproportionately harmed uh, black, brown, poor, et cetera. And we knew that, right? As soon as vaccine mandates were enacted, we already knew the percentages of, of and it was disproportionately uh, in every city it was enacted in. Uh, harming black, brown, et cetera, people. Uh, Christians supported church closures, pretty much confessing that, yes, no, worshiping God together in a group, not essential. Uh, Republicans supported violations of the First Amendment. We've seen this with like the most harmful stuff that uh, DeSantis has been up to with, um, I think the most harmful stuff he's been up to has been um, uh, sort of he's uh, anti-protest laws. Um, so we saw that happen, uh, anti-sort of, very fuzzy impositions on free speech. Um, we saw Democrats Democrats support civil rights denial, which is, I always thought, a tentpole. It's actually a tentpole of both parties, probably even more so Republicans, historically speaking. But nonetheless, I've always thought of Democrats and the ACLU as like things I subscribe to, you know? Uh, and yeah, then, we're, uh, the, we're the good guys. I just, I just want to remind you that. <laughs> right? Um, so like all of those were happening, not just in the initial, but continually. So it was almost like the, this is the thing that just became over time. And now at the end, when we're at the pretend end, when we're pretending it's over, I was just like, this is all cosplay, guys. This whole thing, what what happened? How did this happen? And then I want to know, I mean, this is, I wish this was a call-in show. I was like, how do you, how do you profess to hold ideals that you don't hold to, you know? And I castigated Christians for this, the heaviest throughout the pandemic, because that's kind of my in-group. I wrote my former pastor, uh, I mean, my goodness gracious, probably the longest emails of the pandemic back and forth, back and forth, because I heard he was, uh, they were closed for like six months or something, just completely inappropriate. Um, and then they were demanding people wear masks or they couldn't come in. I was like, wait, people can't come in and worship God, a holy God who loves them despite great faults, like died for sinners that like, you can't come in unless you do this. Th this just thing, the government, like this invented thing. So you're putting block, block, you're literally blocking people from coming in and hearing the word of God. Like that is antithetical to all principles here. <laughs> you know what I mean? And so that's why I castigated the heaviest, but I always want, you know, I want to bring up not just people I've been attacking, but like people in your world, people in my world, people in our intersected worlds that I was just like, how did these, I don't know, how did, how did these things not become alarm bells of hypocrisy, I suppose? Or like, why did they become exceptions to the paradigms that we held so dear continually? 
because that's what created these scenarios that like we're in we were less than we what we should have been or wanted to be or we were blithe to these things kind of thing you know i guess it's because because no one was allowed to talk about it so then people didn't think it through or i, I don't know i don't know I, I don't even have a thesis really i <laughs> my best answer to that is hypocrisy seems to be the the thing in my experience each of us are the least willing to admit oh interesting. I, I, I mean that cuts really really deep into you know, like the survival of belonging because it's like oh if oh, i yeah. if i sort of have to confront this incredible contradiction that yeah. i have not behaved in accord with my beliefs or values or or even worse those of the social group yeah yeah um and it's I, it's it's very triggering for me which my I don't know thesis or what I've learned about the psyche is is you know often what I sort of hate the most in the world or other people is is my projection of what I don't want to face in myself <laughs> yeah so yeah it's like you know every time I'm sort of out there like look at them so I do appreciate how you've um offered this to say that you're in a very deep self-evaluation also um yeah yeah that's well that's that my corollary to that thesis you know I've heard that often I think for me, the things that I'm most frustrated to other people about is when people aren't doing anything on an area that I'm doing like a ton on, <laughs> you know? So then it's like, I'm self, oh my gosh, I'm examining my hypocrisy like intensively. But again, this is just, this is also like, a, I, I, I've said this to you before, but I have to constantly remind myself that I have a Christian bias in this area. Meaning like dying to yourself daily is explicit scriptural command of God. So then daily, it is on me as a follower of, as a child of God, as a follower of Christ to examine where it is I need to die every single day. So that means things that I stridently want and desire are death to me and they need to die instead kind of thing. You know what I mean? So then right. I do have that quote unquote advantage or disadvantage. People would be like, that sounds like a a toxic existence. <laughs> I was like, well, it's a toxic existence to get rid of toxicity, um, which may sound contradictory as well. Yeah, I mean, other other spiritual groups name an ego death, which might might yeah. be sort of similar, right? Yeah. Um, there's two quick things I want to name just about my early days experience. Yeah. Um, I don't even remember the 15 day thing. I, I'm like, oh, oh really? Wow. Was that a yeah? So that's fascinating. Yeah, yeah. And, but what I do remember were two pieces. One is somehow in those like social feeds, I saw a study from MIT mm. uh, that it just, and I don't know, it'd be actually interesting to go back and look and maybe with, especially with your more trained eye, like be like, well, what, what was this study really saying? And, and was it that relevant to COVID? But it was about just the natural, um, I don't know, infection pattern. And, mm -hmm. and uh, yeah. I guess, like, how long does it take something to go endemic and then just level out? Uh, yeah. and it, anyway, for whatever that report said, it said 18 months. Mm -hmm. So for whatever reason, I just accepted that in that moment. I mean, I think we were yeah. all probably grasping, those of us, especially in the fear state, were grasping for any sort of tangible, like, anchor point. And so that, yeah, that's yeah. one that I found in that. Yeah. And I, it, it helped me like buckle up in a way, but, but it also mm, probably made me yeah. more complacent because I was like, oh, well, look, everybody, we, we ought to, we just need to chill out for 18 months. No big deal. I mean, it's only a year and a half. <laughs> I mean, I mean, what yeah. can happen in a year and a half? Like, give me a break. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. Which also kind of set me up to be critical of, of those I perceived, you know, not sort of checking the boxes that were prescribed. Yeah. Be because it was like, 
look, if we all just did this the right way, it would only take 18 months. That's what MIT said, you know, and it's like, yeah, who yeah. the fuck knows if that really was relevant or not. The other yeah. thing was a, a, a couple of years prior to that, uh, or three years, I think, um, you know, I was doing a lot of spiritual work and I, re I had received guidance that my mission was to still the world so it could hear its own heartbeat. Mm. And so, I mean, you want to talk about the spiritual or, or even sort of religious, like, yeah motivation i i was like oh this is it that, that's what spirit meant this was the moment we were all yeah. supposed to just totally and as an empath it felt good because yeah. the world is really noisy and loud and traumatized yeah and so there were parts of that that were like okay <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah i don't yeah. i don't actually want to go to i'm like one of these like social introvert you know like I love people, but they exhaust me kind of things. Yeah, um, yeah. So those those were two things that were happening early on for me. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I think I've said this before, but I think that prophetic sense that you had absolutely happened. Um, but I would just link it to Jeremiah uh, in the Bible, which says the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? So I think we did. We slowed down and we realized, oh, my gosh, we are toxic malevolent creatures like our heart is predisposed towards hatred because again this is i mean i don't know if you'll agree with that i, I think I, 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 most people agree but I, I i don't know if i've ever asked you i think these past three years have been the most divisive tribalistic and openly hateful years of my entire life like i've never witnessed this degree of like in, in this country specifically i've never seen anything like this before would you would you agree that that's like do you see that out in the world has there been I, any any other time that's been more hateful than this i agree with that in terms of how it's been made explicit and that actually validates some of the power uh, i believe of of social media and just everybody yeah. having having a microphone and a voice if not a megaphone um i guess my area of study and continued curiosity is like yeah is it is it is it truly more divisive or is it or is it just that we're naming division that's always been there that's a question yeah. i'm holding yeah yeah and act yeah. enacting it since we're enacting yeah. it through, yes through, yes like, yeah yeah through laws or whatever yeah so yeah no it may again that's my premise as well is it always it's it doesn't exist more than it ever did it's always existed but now it's just like we're it's it's it's, we're playing it's, it out. It's yeah, the greatest yeah. revelation. So I think it's true. Like we were still, and then our hearts have now been revealed. Now we're like open, very open about who we are. And we as a people, certainly as a country, are, are, are so much more hateful <laughs> than we thought we were, you know? And that's the part to me that's like, okay, this is, oh my gosh. Now, of course, everyone's going to blame everyone else. But I'm like, this is why I just wanted to focus on the, the corollaries with prior history. Um we are where we are is not where we need to be and where we are is not better than where we were three years ago um like it's i mean it's better in terms of it's more honest and i like that but it's it's a it's a bigger the we all i don't see how anyone can see that it's not a bigger problem than it was three years ago anybody who was like sort of ignorant to that fact that like hate hate exists in the human heart you know and so oh um, yeah 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 that, so, that i do agree with and yeah even in, yeah I, there's a whole thing about maybe next time i can talk about a, a recent 
DEI meeting I was in where that, you know, industry, you know, some of us are admitting it's very young and it's very chaotic and lots of people have crashed into this thing and actually probably caused yeah. more harm, you know, and it's like, so we, let's talk about that. It was fascinating just to see even the, even somebody saying like, yeah. let's, let's talk about that. Let's figure that out. Let's have some standards. Let's, you know, let's actually not yeah. just be out there each, each on our own. Um, so I think there's a, maybe a relationship there, but okay. I have to admit, I thought, I thought this, we were going to talk about a hot tub today. I'm surprised you haven't mentioned it yet. I know it was, a bo- it was a boiling frog. We did we experience so it's pretty similar. Um, I just want to get into solutions. I'm just gonna rip through mine because I think we're a little bit past time. Um yep. so these are the imperative solutions according to me, uh, as to like how to um how to not repeat the history that we just repeated, that you were uh you were either a Nazi or a, a racist southerner or a, a jeering um I don't even know what is it, what are people who hate Japanese people called? I don't even know if they have a name. Uh, one of those folks. Um, these are imperatives. These are like the seven things that I was like, these are solutions to not repeat this. One, a headline is not a news story. This is not directly aimed at you, Andy, but um, a news story is not a fact. Number two, your critical thought and intuition are vital and inviolable. Must Now, granted, I think they must be subjugated to a consistent ethic. Uh, I would say most specifically, they must be subjugated to Logos, Holy Spirit, God, um, but they have to be, has to be some consistent ethic or else you're going to just follow your, um, your desires, which will fluctuate situationally. Um, and I wanted to conclude a quote with number two is if you stand for nothing, you'll fall for everything. Three, your neighbor slash friend slash family member is your least likely enemy as compared to the press or the government. Four, those who refuse to recognize the past are condemned to repeat it. Five, evidence trumps expert opinion. Six, othering is the most dangerous weapon socially. Study it, know it, always define who, quote, they is when you find yourself making, quote, they statements. We've done that on on this show quite a bit. And then last, this is a Russian phrase. I don't know it in Russian. Help me out, Russian people. Uh, Trust, but verify. I hope those are helpful to people especially if you're feeling shame and you want some sort of like ladder to climb out of the shame spiral that you're in. My, my goal here was not to like send you into a shame spiral and then leave you at the bottom and piss on your face. My goal was to help you recognize the situation you're already in and offer you a ladder out of it. I, that's a beautiful list. I can't find any pieces that I disagree with. Um, and I, that's a, it's beautiful in a way because it, yeah, I feel like hope that list could be a way to bring lots of different uh, disparate views and people together. And I'm not saying everybody must agree with this, um, but it would be fascinating as a as a foil to say, well, why why don't you agree with some part of this? Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. I think that's good. And then I have three suggested ones, and these would be the far more argumentative ones, just to get people spiraling. Um, these are my suggested solutions. Those ones are imperative. I don't think they're optional. Uh, these are all, uh, these are ones that I think. Um, one, diversify your ideological community. I think ideological uh, diversity is the most important diversity uh, for the human species. 
Uh, two, know the bias of any and all sources, including yourself. This would relate to newspapers, television, your friends. Uh, there's fantastic resources, which may have their own bias out there, uh, to identify bias of, of anything you're reading. So if you find yourself consuming media in any one direction, know where you're being led. Um, it's just it's just important to know. It's not it's not going to determine the truthiness of it, but it's going to uh, determine the propagandistic uh, inclination of it. Um, and then uh, this is the most controversial one with you, Andy, but I'm going to say it anyway. Uh, number three, uh, it's not that controversial, whatever. Um, deny, uh, we, sh we need to deny any and all absolutism re-identity uh, markers, race, gender, medical status. Uh, that anything we talk about in those arenas has to stay in the realm of the factual, meaning statistical probabilities, um, and then focus on the individual experience of anyone manifesting any of those ID identities in order to, in order to learn more. Yeah, I, I don't disagree with any of those. The third yeah. one, yeah, maybe maybe worthy of more unpacking, but as an um, unpacker, yeah, yeah, it's an unpacker. Yeah. Beautiful, beautiful uh, offerings for people to consider and weave into their life. You, you're like, no, I didn't say consider. I said these are imperative. The seven are imperative. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, hopefully that worked. I've tried that since because like we talked about, right? When someone authoritative, this is why I'm wearing a suit. Uh, not that people can see it, but just imagine <laughs> me in a suit. Um, if you just say something authoritatively, uh, people will just do it. I didn't know. I thought that was a joke and that I watched that happen for the past three years. Oh, well, man in the suit said it. Well, that guy works at the NIH. He's uh, must be real, you know? <laughs> well, like, we should just, that'd be a, there's an experiment. Let's just clip out that piece of you uh, yes. speaker view and, you and see what see what happens these are imperative you must do these or else you hate your grandma <laughs> ah, ah i love my grandma and i love you i love we you wrap it up all right well happy saint patrick's day happy spring y'all it's spring uh we're recording this at spring i know it'll already happened uh it's happy saint patrick's day let's drive the snakes out of our lives uh it's no ruse, uh, Persian New Year. So let's let's begin again. And Persian New Year falls on like spring equinox this year too, guys. So that's like, this is the time for new growth. Um, and new growth is often mulched with the 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 fecal, <laughs> the manure nature of our our past failures. Um, but it doesn't mean we have to stay in the ground. Um, new growth is constantly, constantly possible. Mm. Yes, my favorite moment is coming with the, the first time I see a bud on a tree after yes. the winter. Like, whew, there uh, it is. That's hope incarnate. We need it, bud. All right. Love you. Love you. Bye. Bye.